Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. As Pastor Stone and I, as, as he was talking about how he and I know many things that go on with, you know, members of the church and we just kind of see the need and feel led on what to preach. Sometimes it will be a similar subject over and over. Um, the difficult circumstances that many are going through in this day and time, it has hindered him by his words from starting the One Another series. And it has really kept me on encouragement that we can make it through the things that we're facing and we're going to talk about that from another place, another way tonight in Isaiah chapter 40. I just simply titled this, Christ Beats Our Circumstances. And we can't be encouraged too much on this subject. As we get into Isaiah chapter 40, there have been many messages from the last four or five verses, 27 or 28 through 31, I know that I have preached at least three sermons from just those verses. Most messages I've heard from this chapter have only been on those verses, but we are going to look at the entire chapter tonight. And, and as we start at the beginning of chapter 40, it's... It's quite a landmark of a place to start, if you will. It's the second part of the book of Isaiah. And it goes from a theme of captivity to one of redemption and blessedness. Some have said there should be a first Isaiah, chapters 1 through 39, and then a second Isaiah, chapter 40, through the rest of the book. Some have even tried to say they believe it's two different writers. Well, the writing does change some, but that is because of the theme, not, not the author of the book. And so even the first two verses really set, set the table for the rest of the book pretty well. It says, comfort me. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The foundation of Israel's comfort is the God of all comfort. He has all knowledge. He has all power and the people of God come into a new season here as they have been delivered. And, and they can look in several ways and see that Christ beats our circumstances. And we're going to look at three ways that this happens tonight. First, here in the first 11 verses, the people of God here can look back. They can look back and see what they went through. And they can look back and see what God has done. By the way, we can do that in our own lives as well. 
And so looking back, we see a people in great need of help as, as God's people were in captivity. There was their, the failure on their own part. There was their sin. And they needed to be lifted out of it. They were in idolatry. There was immorality. They weren't interested in prophecy and revelation uh, from the prophets. But they were still the Lord's people. And the Lord forgives. They were a backslidden people, but they were God's people. And He loved them. And because He loved them, He chastened them. A chastening is is good. He wouldn't throw away His people, but He will correct His people. You know, saints even of the last generation, not that there aren't saints in this generation saying it, but I, I just think of many in heaven right now who I heard many times say, I thank the Lord for a chastening in my life because it lets me know that He loves me. It lets me know I belong to Him. And being honest, I know I need it. And I know that the Lord is going to use that chastening to help me. It's merciful to be chastened by the Lord. May we still know this today as many Christians have in the past. Listen to one verse on that subject from Ezra chapter 9 and verse 13. It says, And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, seeing that Thou our God hast punished us less than our iniquities deserve, and has given us such deliverance as this. There's a direction that many are going in religion to where they don't even want to hear that. And many people won't speak that. That the punishment is less than we deserve. I don't like to refer to it, you know, as far as the meaning of these words, I, I, I think of correction. Uh, I think of punishment as, uh, in, in its strictest sense as trying to hurt someone. But I know in the correction the Lord gives us, it's to help you and I. God's measure of correction is more than fair. And He's always ready to forgive. He doesn't want to just correct us and redirect us from our sin. He wants to wash it away. First John says that He cleanseth us from all sin. That He's faithful and just to forgive. That we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. The sins of the whole world. Jesus is able to save everyone in the world, and He, and he would save everyone in the world. If everyone would come to Him, He forgives. And and Israel and the, the people of God can look back and they can see what the Lord has done in this area. Israel chose a rough path. They chose a rocky road away from God. But God 
made a way back for them. In verses 6 through 8, it says, The voice said, Cry. And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Their past captivity had faded away. We read in, in the Psalms in 30, 37 and verses 1 and 2, and it says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. The captivity faded away, but the Word of God does not fade away. Let me just go ahead and read another account from that over in Peter. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 24 says, For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the Word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the Word which by the gospel, is preached unto you. Looking back, Israel was chastened. They were corrected. And now, they can look to God's promises. And they can trust God's promises. Their captivity ended, but the promises from the Word of God, they will never end. Let me read some more for you. 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 36. It says, If they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them over before their enemies, and they carry them away captives unto a land far off or near, yet if they bethink themselves in the land whither they are carried captive, and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned, we have done amiss, and have dealt wickedly. If they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whither they have carried them captives, and pray toward their land, which thou gavest unto their fathers, and toward the city which thou hast chosen, and toward the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause, and forgive thy people which have sinned, Against thee. The people of God could now look to the promises of God that will never fade away as their captivity did. They went from punishment to peace. Verses 9 through 11, it says, o Zion, back in Isaiah 40, O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. 
Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and His arms shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His work before Him. He shall feed His flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with His arm, and carry them in His bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. They have been brought out of the valley. And they're being brought up the mountain, if you will, in victory, declaring the good news of Babylon's defeat. You know, we have a good news to share ourselves. We have a good news today to share that, that sin has been defeated by Jesus Christ. That He has taken our penalty from us on the cross at Calvary for the saving of any soul that will trust in Him. God has won the war against sin. And as we look back, we see how He has won our battles. As, as Israel, as the people of God can look back and see what God has done, we can do the same thing. He has won our battles. We've become captive for a time, and maybe even it's been because of our own doing. But the mighty hand of God delivers us, and the loving arm of God restores us, and He cares for us. We all can look back and we can see the arm of the Lord in our lives and what He has done for us. God's people were set free by the Lord and, and they got to come back home. They got to come back in their land. This is by the Lord's doing. And even today, there are those who come back home to the will of God. You see those go astray and they, they burden your heart. You, you cry tears alone for others who have strayed from the will of God. But, but they come home. God draws them back home into His will. I'll never forget a few testimonies of even members of this church. And it's been a, quite a while, but their testimony after they left and then coming back here, they said, we've come home and the Lord has brought us home. And if we'll listen to Him and follow Him, He brings us back home into His will. Maybe this is something you've experienced in, in your life, the restoring hand of God, restoring what maybe you thought was lost for the rest of your life. Maybe you thought you were benched by God for the rest of your life, but He's in the restoration business. And He, and he, goes, he leaves the 99 and He goes after one. And He restores His people. And so Christ beats our circumstances. And the people of God here can, can look, look behind. They can look back and see that. But there's also a looking ahead that we can do, that we see Israel did as they were restored and as Christ beat their circumstances. And we see it in verses 12 through 26. And, and so what we have is a remnant of the Jews actually who were rescued and they were restored. And they are now able to look ahead. 
You know, looking ahead, if we will look up, we will always see that God is there, willing to guide us. And, and He's going to be there in all of His greatness. Nothing of God and His virtue ever diminishes. And, and he's, he's always there. You know, there, there's a spirit in this world, and it's not good. The Bible says, try the spirits, whether they be of God. And, and there is evil intent upon our lives from them. But there is the surpassing greatness of God. That if we would look at the things that we face in this world and the, the, the spirit of this world that is evil and against us, if we will go to the greatness of God and if we will look ahead that way, we are going to see what we're facing in this world in a much different light. There's a lot of evil in this world, but nothing can surpass the greatness of God. And, and, and we're not learning anything by that tonight, but we're being refreshed on something that we continually need to be refreshed on. Everyone knows that God is greater than everything we face in this world, but what little, but what little gaps do we fall into as we go through our circumstances, as we face attacks that we go through in this life? God is greater. And He's greater than anything on this earth. We, that's what we learn actually in verses 12 through 20. I'm not going to apologize for reading a lot of Scripture. I should never do that. I'll tell you, we're going to read a lot of Scripture tonight. And so we see in verses 12 through 20 that God is greater than anything in this world. Verse 12, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of His hand and meted out heaven with the span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance, who had directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him, with whom he took counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket." and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are countless to him that than nothing and vanity to whom then will ye liken God? Or what likeness will ye compare unto him? The workman melteth a graven image, and the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold, and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be moved. Look at that and look it over again. And what you'll conclude is that there is nothing greater in the earth than God. 
God is greater. But then we continue this section in verses 21 through 26, and we find that there's, that there's nothing greater than the Lord in heaven. Before I read, while it comes to my mind, let me just say that when we talk of heaven, and when we talk about how great heaven will be, let, let us not miss the most important thing about heaven. And that is Jesus is there. Heaven wouldn't be great if Jesus weren't there. Yes, we could talk about a glad reunion day all night long that's going to happen. But the first thing and the most special thing that will ever happen in heaven is coming face to face with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater in heaven than the Lord. Verse 21 Have ye not known, have ye not heard, hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is He that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, their stock shall not take root in the earth. He and he shall also blow upon them, and they shall wither, and the whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high. And behold, who hath created these things, and bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, that he is strong in power, not one faileth. The Lord is greater than anything in earth and anything in heaven. He created the earth and He sits on the throne in heaven. Many act as though God can't or God won't do anything about their circumstances. Many fall into such a place as to have the thought that God doesn't care. That He doesn't care about the enemy that we have to face in this world. That He doesn't care about enemies that we have to deal with. If we're ever tempted to believe that the world is bigger than God, that He can't handle what's going on, remember what we just read in verse 15. It says, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. I've been through that before, but this time I underlined that in my Bible during my studies. I, I would encourage you to, as, as we put into perspective the power of this world and the power of our God, that the nations are as a drop of a bucket. That says it all right there. He's not only universally stronger than all, let us consider, but 
that He personally cares for all. Did you notice in verse 26, he says, Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for he that is strong in power, not one faileth. The Lord cares when we are tempted to wonder if he cares about us. Let us consider how he knows all of the stars by name. And he knows all of the stars by number. That he keeps them suspended. That he cares for them. Surely there is no one that would doubt whether he knows our name or not. He knows his people. And God cares for his people. We'll surely conclude that he knows our name. And when we've been damaged, when we've been hurt, when we've been betrayed, when we have been a, a, a victim of the things of this world, whether even by our own doings or, or whether another, our God who takes care of the stars with personal supervision, He can heal our hearts and He can restore us. He knows our enemies. He knows how to take care of our enemies. We learned this morning what we're to do about our enemies and the Lord can take care of the rest. One very wise Christian who helped me to learn to walk in this world by the power of God as a Christian, he simply would say, Lord, did you see that? When this and that happened, Lord, did you see that? And he was able to to rest any frustration that would come His way upon the Lord with it, and to leave it with the Lord. And let us be able to go out and love. Looking ahead, looking ahead in this fashion makes the most complex circumstances look very small. If we look to our circumstances they're going to look a lot different than if we look through the Lord and His greatness first and then upon the circumstances. That's a very important, simple set of steps for the child of God. And many times we skip that step and we look straight to our circumstances. And we're always going to be overmatched by our circumstances without going to the Lord first. Oh, let us look ahead by specifically looking up. Lift up your eyes on high. The future is bright. The future is always bright when we look ahead this way. And then in verses 27 through 31, let us look within. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power 
to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. An appropriate response to the Lord after being taken captive by, in Babylon and, and they've been set free now. It should be praise to the Lord. It should be nothing but praise to the Lord. And not complaint. Complaint's not appropriate. But that's what we find. Look at verse 27 again. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Complaint is unfortunately exactly how... They viewed the, the character, the response, the, the work or the lack thereof in their minds of what God has done. Wow. Remember that the next time someone paints you with the wrong brush. It's, been, it's happened to God over and over. How are we going to, to have a pity party? When someone does the same thing to us as what's been done to God. It's happened to God over and over. It happened with Israel over and over. It will surely happen to us. Though there was promised freedom, they complained with fear about the rocky path back to that freedom. You know, God has never promised sunshine without rain. We're, we're, we're going to have both. He knows what tries us. He knows what tempts us to be fearful. And He's able to meet our need no matter what. And there are many things that are going to tempt us and try us. He doesn't promise that we have the strength for the journey before us. We've been set free. And He never promises, though, that we have the strength, but that He has the strength that we need if we will call upon Him. If we will swap our strength for His. And we know we've made that mistake. We read of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 and where he made that mistake as well. And he tried to go in his own strength. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank my Lord, I thank God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not have the strength, but the Lord has the strength we need, and we can call upon Him, and we can depend upon Him. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. When you look at a couple of verses before that, Philippians 4.11 and 12, and go into 13, you find 
every state that Paul gets into, every condition he gets into, that whether he's abased, whether he's a, whether he bound, he abounds. He's he's content, and he knows he knows how to be because of Christ. So that very popular verse, "I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me." Something that is very prominent in what he's talking about is endurance. To be able to endure, we can endure all things through Jesus Christ. Everything we learn from the Lord by our education in Scripture, everything we learn from experience in our situation is don't trust in self, but wait upon the Lord. Trust in the Lord and His strength. Swap our inadequate strength for His almighty power. What a deal. I love a good deal. And what a good deal that is for us. That we can trade our weakness for the power of God. And He will will impute that to us. We have a wonderful hope in that we can always look to God for everything we need. No matter where we find ourselves. No matter how the burdens stack up. No matter how long we don't apply this and and how low we get, God can meet the need. God can resurrect our lives back to the place they could have been, back to the place they should be. God can always do that. He's willing to do that. He loves us and He cares for us. He has the ability to do that. When I say look within... I'm not speaking of what we are in and of ourselves. That's the problem when we try to look within in that way. But what the Lord has put within us when He saved us. What the Lord has given us in salvation. You know we never gained any more after being saved than what the Lord gives us when He saves us. We have all the grace the mercy, the love, the power we need. We learn how to appropriate it more and more, but we have all we need when the Lord saves us. You know, we might prove that to ourselves by considering circumstances. Maybe, maybe you, as a babe in Christ, went through a really difficult circumstance. People would call it a very difficult circumstance. But you made it through it. You made it through it successfully. And you kept trusting the Lord. And He kept joy in your life. And then we get down the road. And if we don't make it through a lesser situation. Then what He did before. That's on us. That's why we need this reminder. That's why we need this refreshing to continually stand upon the promises of God, to meditate on His true character. Next thing you know, we're smearing His character like Israel if we're not meditating on the true character of God and praying to the Lord. What what a manifestation of dependence upon the Lord. 
when we're calling upon Him, when we're praying to Him, when it just comes out that we tell Him we're nothing and we see our weakness without Him and He is our everything and we can't do anything without Him. Fix what I messed up. Help us to be able to press on. You know, our reason, the right reason for wanting to exchange our weakness for His power is so He will receive all of the credit for what is seen in our lives when we swap our strength for His. Everything is to be for the glory of God. How, 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 how does God get credit? What is seen in our lives when we swap our strength for His? How about a day-to-day faithfulness? A faithfulness we grow into. We can only be faithful because of how faithful He is to us. But how about that day-to-day faithfulness that, that we grow into? William Carey says, those that wait upon the Lord are plodding along. I like that phrase, plodding along. You know, there are, there are times that we might run, and there are times that we might fly. The Lord says so, but much of our journey is walking and not fainting. Where is that at? That is, that is in verse 31. And they shall walk and not faint. That really, that really describes us when we walk in the strength of the Lord. We're plodding along consistently. We're walking and not fainting. That, that's a good picture of faithfulness. The power of the Lord and a child of God in a cruel world. To be able to be faithful, it's because of swapping our strength for Him. We can trust Him to keep us from fainting so we can be faithful, all for His glory. The message, the message of Israel with a rocky path, though it's a rocky path back to freedom, it's really the same message for us. Christ beats our circumstances what, what simply do we see that we can do? Let, let us look back. Let us look back on what He has done. Let us look ahead by looking up. Looking to God and who He is and, and let us look within. Look within, not at ourselves, but at the One who has taken up residence and the child of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ beats our circumstances. And as I say that, and that is directed toward the Christian, I would like for the unsaved person here tonight or listening online to consider a certain first circumstance that Christ is going to beat, and that is your condition unsaved. In unbelief, with no forgiveness. If you will come to the Lord Jesus Christ, He he will beat your sin circumstance. He has already beaten your sin circumstance by paying for your penalty on the cross at Calvary. 
Death loses its sting when you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because the penalty of sin is gone. And if you're here tonight and you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you would trust Him and know Him as your Lord and Savior. Christ beats our circumstances, and He has beat yours concerning all of your sin tonight. If you'll place your trust in Him, we're going to pray and give you that opportunity to do so right now as we have an invitation. Let us all bow to the Lord. Almighty Father God in heaven, we do come back before you again tonight, and we just want to thank you for the encouragement that we can have. Oh Lord, help us to continually take a glance back at what you've done in our lives. Let us look ahead. Let us look up. Let us see that there's nothing in this earth that is greater than you, not even in heaven. Lord, we thank you for your greatness. And we thank you for your power. We thank you for beating our circumstances. We thank you for coming to live within, inside us. That by your word we might look within. And see that you've saved us. That you've empowered us. That you've given us everything we need. To plod along in this life. Lord as we swap our strength for yours. We thank you for the victory. That you have given us. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, and, and I pray that the, the heart in the lowest place tonight might be lifted up and encouraged and look to you and know that our future is so bright because of you. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If everyone would please stand. Page 249.